welcome once again to Maple Grove Covenant Church. So glad that you're with us this morning as we continue our series, Is This Wise? Is this a wise thing to do with my friends, my family, my future, my, my faith? Is this wise? It's the question that changes everything because we all face difficult decisions. We all face difficult, hard decisions at home, at work, at school, with our friends and our family. And the question that we're trying to ask and answer is simply this. Is this wise? Is this a wise thing to do? In the last few weeks, we've been looking at the wisdom of Solomon, the wisdom of God in the book of Proverbs, and we learned some wonderful truths about friendship and work and marriage and sexuality. And I must admit that I've thoroughly enjoyed our study in the book of Proverbs. I've enjoyed digging into God's Word and hearing truths from Him. And I know many of you have have received and and appreciated God's Word through the book of Proverbs. Some of you have come up to me and said, you know what, I've I've listened to the the sermons and messages online. My wife and I have, have listened to the messages on marriage and sexuality. They've been really helpful for us. Others of you have said, you know, I, I got that poster of the pig with the, with the with the ring in his nose and I and I put it on my my, my kid's wall. You know, I, I, I've been learning these things. I've been sharing these truths with my children, and, and it's been helping me in my marriage and with my friends, and it's been so great, and I've thoroughly enjoyed I know many of you have also grown in wisdom over the last few weeks, and this morning we're going to continue to learn about wisdom, to ask the question, is this why? And the topic of our discussion is, this morning is a very challenging relationship. On one hand, it can be the most heartwarming relationship because it's so full of love and grace and acceptance. But on the other hand, it can be the most heart-wrenching relationship, just so full of pain and sadness. And the relationship I'm referring to this morning is the relationship between the parent and the child. Our relationship with our parents can be the most heartwarming and the most heart-loving, heart-wrenching, and, and it can be all those things in between. As a way to enter into this morning's topic of the relationship between parent and child. I did a little survey during Fan Jam on Wednesday night. So I went up to parents and kids, students, and I asked them two questions. So the parents just said, hey, any words of wisdom that you receive from your parents that you think might be repeating, uh, may be worth repeating and passed on to the next generation? Then I asked the students, some of our young people, I said, hey, any words of advice that you think you need to give to your parents? That they need to maybe, ha- that they may help them parent you better. And I had some fantastic conversations with some of our parents and some of our, our young people. And I, I went up to one parent and I says, you know what, I'm, I'm preparing for next week's sermon. I'm doing a little research. I'm wondering if you could help me. I'm just going to ask you a question or two. And she interrupted me and said, hey, gee, I just want to let you know, I have a great sex life. You don't have to ask me anything. So that was last week's message on sex. I'm glad your sex life is so great. I'm actually interested in parenting. And, and after a little bit of uh, awkward silence, I went on to the next parent. And I said, hey, I'm looking for some wisdom that maybe you receive from your parents that might be worthy of repeating or passing on to the next generation. And I heard some great wisdom. And these are some of the things that... Uh, you heard as parents worthy of passing down to the next generation. Treat people as you want to be treated. Some good advice. Uh, Another person said something similar. Do unto others as you would like them to do unto you. And I said, I'm not quite sure your parents came up with that. But still, that is great advice. Great advice. Another Another mother said this. If you hit your brother, he'll hit you back twice as hard. 
true statement. There's a lot of wisdom there. Another uh, mother said, the grass is always greener where you water and fertilize it. I said, that's, that's absolutely true. That's wise. Uh, another uh, person said, uh, work hard at everything you do. And whatever you do, remember that God is by your side. And then she went into great detail reminding us that God is by your side wherever you go, whatever relationships, whatever workplace, that God is always by your side. But one of my favorite comments came from a pair of dads, separate conversations that said, you know what, my parents didn't say much. I don't have a lot of wisdom to pass on, no pithy statements, but they did live a life of integrity and they did live a life of honesty and that spoke volumes to me. Isn't that great? That's the wisdom that we can pass on to the next generation. But here's what our parent, here's what our children said. I asked some of our students, say, hey, do you have any wisdom, any words of advice that you'd like to give to your parents to help them in their parenting or just help them in their life? And one uh, child said this, my parents are awesome. They don't need any advice. Okay? I'm sure that was your kid, right? <laughs> my parents are awesome. They don't need any advice. Another, another uh, student said this, uh, give us allowance shoes and better hunting equipment. <laughs> I know whose kid that is, so I won't go there. A third said, don't make me eat squash. It's practical advice. I don't like squash. Don't make me eat it. Uh, a fourth said this, try Dave Ramsey's seven steps to financial peace. <laughs> Some wise kids we have here. I've tried them. Maybe you should try them. Uh, and then there was this whole section related to nagging and listening. So this is what some of our young people said. Quit nagging me, listen better, try to understand, times have changed, and finally stop stressing out about everything. That's what they said. Stop stressing out about everything. But one of the last comments I heard was, was this. This is very insightful. Uh, it's good to be a parent, not a friend. That's some wisdom. It's good to be a parent, not a friend. This is the wisdom that we have in this room to pass down from our parents to the next generation and some wisdom from our children to our parents, all reflecting reflecting one truth, that this relationship is hard, that this is a very difficult and challenging relationship. At at some point, you know, in some journeys, it's, it's the most heart warming, loving, fulfilling relationship that you can have between your parents and the children. But on the other side, it can be the most heart-wrenching and painful relationship. It can just cause so much heartache in our lives. Because we love each other, right? Because we want to have a great relationship with our parents. Because we want to have a great relationship with our children. Everyone, no matter where you're at on your journey, wants to have a great relationship with a parent or parents to your children. And that's why I'm so glad that, that Solomon speaks to us, that God speaks to us words of wisdom, words of counsel to help all of us in our relationship with our parents, in our relationships with our children, in our relationships with our grandchildren or our nieces or our nephews, if you're a teacher with your students or if you're a coach with your athletes, all of these relationships. We can glean wisdom from God's word this morning. And, and we're going to look this morning at a few key proverbs to help us on the journey. And, and, and we're going to look at a couple principles that we can apply to our lives. And the first principle that we're going to look at this morning is it may seem obvious to some and offensive to others. Okay, so I just want to put that out there right away. It may seem obvious to some, offensive to others, but it's so helpful as we navigate 
this parent-child relationship. And the first principle, I'm sorry, kids, but this is the first principle. It's basically this. Our children are fools. I know that sounds offensive, and I'm a little bit apologetic about that. But our children are fools. That's what the Scriptures teach us. That's what the book of Proverbs teaches us, that our children are self-centered. They're born foolish. They're born selfish. Sure, you were cute and cuddly when you came into the world and we celebrate the day of your birth and we're so happy that you look like your mother. But you're born foolish. You're born selfish. This is what Proverbs 22 verse 15 says. Proverbs chapter 22 verse 15. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child. Folly, foolishness, it's bound up, it's wrapped up, it's in the center of our children. It's connected to the heart of our child. And Proverbs has so much to say about the fool. We, we read all over the book of Proverbs the way of the fool. Let me just rattle off a couple descriptions of the fool. Fools are stubborn. Fools are lazy. Fools lie. Fools are self-centered. Fools are proud. Fools get into mischief. Fools gossip and tattle. Fools disrespect their parents. Have I described your child yet? This is the way of the fool. This is the way of a fool. I'm sorry, kids, but it's true. And it's not just you, right? We are born foolish. We are born prideful. God makes that very, very clear. In the book of Genesis, listen to God's conversation with Noah after the flood. God said this, The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of man, even though every inclination of his heart is evil from childhood. What is that word there? It's evil. It's evil from childhood. Every inclination of the heart is evil for childhood. So so if you're... If you're a parent here and, and, and one of your kids says something and you think in the back of your mind, that just sounds evil. You're right. It's evil. It's evil. It's evil from childhood. Earlier this summer, I had a chance to go to uh, Yellowstone National Park with my family. I have kids from ranging from 12 to 7, I believe. And it's a great, we have a great little family. And uh, we had this, this trip down to Yellowstone uh, National Park, and, and we get, we drive down there, and we get to the park, and we, we sit up camp at the KOA, and uh, early in the morning, my middle child, Annika, and by the way, every story I tell about my kids, I, I ask for permission, and I pay them five bucks, okay, so don't be, you know, you don't have to feel bad about my kids, they're making money off this, okay, so I, I, I'm with my daughter, Annika, and she wakes up early in the morning, and uh, we go she always wakes up early, and I, I, I'm doing my devotions, and she says, Dad, let's go to a souvenir shop. So we go to a souvenir shop, and uh, she just got $40 for the summer. That's all she gets to spend. She can spend however she wants, but she gets $40. So we go to the souvenir shop, and uh, she, she notices a snow globe. And her younger sister, Zoe, loves snow globes. And so out of her own inclination of her heart, she uh, purchased a snow globe for her, her younger sister for $10. And she wrapped it up, and she brought it to Zoe, and Zoe just loved it. It was so beautiful, so generous and thoughtful by my daughter, Annika. Not 12 hours later, 
Okay, we get to the next campsite, and she's starting an argument with her older sister about who's sleeping where, and they're fighting, and she says the meanest, the nastiest, the foulest words I have ever seen or heard out of a little girl. I mean, my eyes popped, my jaw dropped. I could not believe the words that she said out of her mouth, and she received a consequence. And the next morning, I, I'm, she gets early, up early, and I'm doing my devotion. She comes over to me, and I say, Annika, how could it be? That in the morning, you're so thoughtful and kind to one sister, and then 12 hours later, you're the meanest, nastiest sister. How can that be? She says, Dad, I don't know. I says, I do. I understand. You're foolish. You're self-centered. You're, 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 you're evil. Now, I, it's not... <laughs> it's not your fault, okay? You were born that way, okay? It came from your mother. No, you were born that way, okay? It's not your fault, okay? But folly, folly, as the scriptures teach us, is bound up in the heart of a child. It's the inclination that they go. Left to themselves, that's the place that they're going because it's, it's bound up inside of them. And our job as parents is to teach our children the way of wisdom, to teach our children right from wrong, better from best, good from great. That's our job. And, and if, if we were to continue to read in, in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 15, this is what Solomon writes to us. Folly, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. Now, I know that it can sound really sort of like the rod of discipline, right? It's going to drive that folly out of him. That, that's not what, what God has for us. Because parents, parents are not here just to put you know, food in our stomach or a roof over our head or give us more hunting equipment. You know, that's not the only role parents have. Parents have this role to teach our children wisdom, to, to teach our children the way of God and to, to live this life of discipline. So this is what it says. The rod of discipline will drive it far from him. I know that sounds really harsh, and that's not the, the inclination of God's heart. And so I just want to compliment this Proverb with Proverbs thirteen twenty four, and in Proverbs thirteen twenty four we read this: He who spares the rod hates his son, but he who disciplines or he who loves him is careful to discipline him. Right? Do, do, do you hear the wisdom in these words from Solomon passed on to us? He who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him. See, to discipline a child is a form of love. It's one of the most loving things that you can do to your, parent, to, your, to your children is to discipline them, is to teach them the way right from wrong, to teach them the way of wisdom. Now, discipline comes from the Hebrew word musar. Let me hear you say musar. Musar is this great Hebrew word. And in the Hebrew, it's better translated instruction and correction. Information and rebuke. It's not just rebuke. It's not just correction. It's information. It's instruction. It's encouragement. It's being a coach, not a commander. That's the essence of this word musar. And and, and the key word for understanding this is to do so carefully. To carefully come alongside and discipline your child. 
To love your child is to musar your child. It's to give instruction and correction, information and rebuke, to carefully come alongside to understand how your child is wired, to understand what makes them cry, to understand what makes them happy, to understand what makes your child come alive, to understand how to speak a word of correction into their hearts. It takes musar. It takes an understanding of your child to carefully discipline your child. Some kids, you have to speak words, you know, straight to their hearts and maybe even have significant consequences for their decisions. Other, other children, you just need to speak a word and they respond. Other kids, you just have to look at them and they, their hearts like melt, right? And God's word to us, though, is to be wise, is to be careful, is to be musar is to know your child, to carefully understand your child, to come alongside them in a way to bring instruction and correction, information, encouragement, and rebuke. That's our role as parents, as adults, as grandparents, as teachers, as coaches. It's to musar. It's to bring correction and rebuke. Information I'm sorry, information, correction, information and correction, something else, and rebuke, okay? Encouragement, that's what it was, okay? That's what we're supposed to do as parents. And as parents, right, our relationships with our children change over time, don't they? But they're still musar. We're always a parent. We're all disciplined. We're always correcting and, and guiding our children. I was talking with a pastor friend of mine about this topic of parenting. And uh, he, he came up with these four phases of our relationships with our children. And the four phases are simply a, the four C's, cop, coach, counselor, and companion. And I think there's some wisdom here that our relationship with our children begins as a cop, right? We are in positions of authority. We not only enforce the rules, we set up the rules, we're, we, we are positions of authority. We set up the boundaries. We punish bad behavior. We reward good behavior. We, we, we primarily do this in the younger ages of our children, but we're cops. We're enforcers. You know, we set up the rules, and we enforce the rules. We start off our journey as parents in this position of authority as a cop. We give lots of information and lots of correction. But then we move on to a coach. A coach also gives lots of information. A coach also gives lots of instruction. A, a good coach, a wise coach, will unify the team, you know, give some information, inspire towards a different direction, towards winning the game. But a wise coach never plays the game. A wise coach only lets the players play. And that's what we do as parents. We never do something for our children that they can do for themselves. We don't helicopter, you know, we don't rescue them. We let them live with the consequences of their choices. We give instruction, we give correction, but we let the children make their own decisions. We're coaches. We move from a cop to a coach, still in a position of authority. Uh, Positional authority, you have to do what I say, but also personal authority because you want to do well for your coach. And then we move to a counselor. And the counselor lives by the phrase, unasked for advice is criticism. And so a wise parent doesn't give advice unless they're asked for it. They ask good questions. They help children think through the implications for the decisions. But they're not spouting out 
words of advice. They've done their instruction. They've done their correction. And now they're responding to the needs of their children as they come to them and want advice and want counsel. You move from a cop to a coach to a counselor. And then the final phase is this companion. This is friendship. And it's what we all want with our parents. It's what our children all want. We want to have a friendship. We want to have a companionship. We want to have a relationship that's described in Proverbs 23, 24. This is this. The father of a righteous man has great joy. He who has a wise son delights in him. May your father and mother be glad. May she who gave you birth rejoice. It's a relationship characterized by joy and delight, friendship and companionship. And that's what we all want, moms. That's what we all want with our dads. That's what we all want with our children. And that's the final phase. That's what we all want with our relationships. But it begins as a cop. It begins as the one that not only makes the rules, but enforces the rule. You begin as a person of authority. You set the rules, and then you move to a coach, and then a counselor, and then a companion. But all too often, we as parents want to jump to the companion phase at the expense of the cop phase. We want to be the friend. We want to have a good time. And we neglect to give our children the discipline that they need. And I think that's what this one student was saying when she said these words. It's good to be a parent, not a friend. Meaning, I've got plenty of friends. I need you to be the only person that you can be in my life, my parent, the position of authority in my life, the person that disciplines me, that counsels me, that that, that can speak to me words of love and affirmation because you know me intimately and words of correction and rebuke because you love me so much. That's our role as parents. That's what our children need. Our job is to teach our children right from wrong and good from great. Our job is to teach and discipline our children to give them words of correction and rebuke, but words of encouragement and information and insight to move through these phases and to live a life of wisdom. And some of you might be thinking, you know, I've tried that, Chad. You know, I've tried to speak into my kids' life, but they don't listen to me. Or I've tried to give them words of counsel, and they do just the opposite. But the, but the truth is simply this. We can't control our children's choices. All we can do is show them the way. All we can do is teach them the way of wisdom and let them choose. Our job is to teach their job is to choose which way they will go. The way of a fool or the way of wisdom. One resource that I've enjoyed in the last few years as a father, but also as a church family, is a book by the name Love and Logic. And and Love and Logic, we actually did a seminar here not that long ago, provides some skills for us as parents to help our children live responsibly, to help us as parents live wisely. And two skills I just want to introduce you today is simply this. One is in your program. It's in your program, by the way. You can pull that out now or a little bit later. It's this phrase called instant empathetic response. It's this great little resource, and it's, it's an instinct empathetic response. Like when our kids are doing something wrong, they don't do their homework, or they, they get into trouble, or they hit their sister, our, our instant empathetic response is bummer. That sounds sad. That, that's, that's really hard. 
I'm sorry to hear that. And we respond to our children in those times of difficulty with empathy. I'm sorry you didn't get those, that hunting equipment that you really wanted. You know, I, I'm, I'm sorry things didn't work out the way that you thought that they should. And we have this instant empathetic response. It's a great way to enter into emotion with our lives of our children. But then on the backside is this using an enforceable statement. And it's a simple tool. An enforceable statement tells a kid what we will do or allow rather than telling them what they need to do. It's using an enforceable statement. It's a statement like this. I'll listen as soon as your voice is as calm as mine. I'll give you allowance to those who finish their chores. I'll keep the toys I have to pick up. You can keep the toys that you pick up. That's a good one. It's an I statement. All these are empowering. These are the things I'm going to do. You need to choose what you're going to do. I'll be happy to listen to you as soon as your father and I are finished talking. Here's one of my favorites. I'll reimburse you for your college tuition for those classes in which you earn a B or above. I'll be happy to give you the money once I see your report card. Some wisdom there. A buddy of mine is going through this right now. He says, Chad, we have unconditional love and conditional blessings. Unconditional love. We're always going to love and accept our children, but we give conditional blessings. It's not just some whatever you need, we'll give it to you. There's, there's some standards and some practices that they need to choose to live by in order to receive those blessings. This is just good information. This is just wisdom for all of us, whether we're parents or grandparents or teachers or coaches or mentors or volunteers to, to empathize with our children but also to use enforceable statements to help them choose the path that they will travel. This is the way of wisdom. This is a great resource because our children are born fools. And our job as adults is to help them see the path of wisdom, and their job is to choose it, to choose the way that they want to go. We cannot choose for our children. But we can choose for ourselves. We cannot choose the way of wisdom for our kids, but we can choose the way of wisdom for ourselves. This is the third principle related to parenting. We can choose to take responsibility for our own parenting, for our own lives. We can choose to live lives of wisdom as it relates to work, as it relates to marriage, as it relates to sex, as it relates to friendship. We can demonstrate to our children a life of wisdom. Not a perfect life, but a wise one. I love what Proverbs 14, 26 says, He who fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for his children it will be a refuge. He who fears the Lord, he who loves, submits, delights in God as their greatest treasure and highest pleasure, has a secure fortress, has a solid foundation, and... For his children, it will be a refuge. For his children, it will be a a place of protection, a place to go to when you're hurting or in need. For your children, it will be a place of delight. It's more than just general protection. For your children, it will be an example on how to live wisely. Because our children are always watching us. And if we're living lives of wisdom as it relates to work or our friendships or sexuality, or our marriage, they're much more inclined to do the same. It's like that one 
parent or those two guys that I interviewed on Wednesday night that says my parents didn't say much, but I saw them live lives of integrity, and it spoke volumes. There's this great phrase that goes something like this. Leadership is taught rather than taught. I think it could be true in many areas of life. You know, morality is caught rather than taught. You know, character is caught rather than taught. Wisdom is caught rather than taught. It's observed in our homes or with people of influence. And then it's sort of caught up in our lives. And all of a sudden, we start to live lives of wisdom. That's the best gift that we can give to our children is a marriage that's strong because we make, we make choices that way. Or our friendships that are strong or our working relationships are solid because we choose to demonstrate to the next generation what it means to live wisely. Not perfectly, just wisely. Uh, earlier uh, this summer, I uh, was with my family once again and my wife was with the kids, and she got into a car accident. Now, I don't have to pay her $5 to tell this story. But we, she got into a little bit of a fender bender, right? So she was in the, in, in the, in the parking lot in our van, and, the, and some of the kids were in the van. And she backed up and bumped the car behind her. And she had a little um, uh, hitch on the back of the van and put a nice hole right in that back of that car. And uh, it was kind of a cheap car, and, and uh, I, I didn't feel all that bad about it. But... Um, my, my, my wife uh, was obviously frustrated, you know, disappointed in her actions. And, and she, you know, the kids were like, what happened, Mom? You know, and they're getting a little bit, um, you know, what kids do. And so my wife then takes a, a, a pen and she writes down her address and writes down her phone number. And she, you know, gets to the, the car and there's nobody there. So she puts it on the, on the windshield and they, then they drive off to the next uh, thing they need to go to. And my kids are like, why would you do that, Mom? You know, one, it's just a cheap car. Two, no one's going to know. No one's going to know if you just walk away. I mean, and, and why would you give them your insurance? It's going to cost you something. Mom, why didn't you just forget about it? And my wife had this teachable moment. You see, when we make a mistake, when we crash into someone's car, we fess up. We confess. We take responsibility for our actions. And later that night when Christine and I were sort of processing the day, she says, you know what, I felt so bad. I felt so frustrated about what happened. But I'm so glad that my kids could see me mess up and see what we need to do, what we're called to do. And that's to take responsibility for our actions. Because character, wisdom, is caught rather than taught. Our kids see us all the time. They make conclusions about how they live their lives based on the choices and the decisions that we make. Parenting, we're not called to be perfect parents and have a perfect driving record, right? We're called to be people of humility, people of character. And once we make a mistake, we fess up, and that teaches our children how to take responsibility for their actions. This is the way of wisdom. This is the teaching of God when it comes to parenting. Our kids are born fools. We teach them. We instruct them the way of wisdom. We model for them a way of wisdom, but they choose the path that they will take. We cannot choose for them. See, when it comes to parenting, all too often, we begin with the wrong question, don't we? All too often, 
We as parents begin with the question, what do I want to see my child become? Or we begin the question, what are my goals for my children? You know, I want them to love God, or I want them to be well-rounded, or I want them to be really smart. And we ask the wrong question. The right question should be, what type of parent do I want to become? What goals do I have as a parent? Because I can only take responsibility for my life. I can only teach my children a way of wisdom, model a way of wisdom, but only they can choose the path of wisdom. About a month ago, now it's just a couple months ago, I had a chance to um, go to the Grand Canyon with my son, and I'm trying to teach him some, some ways of wisdom. He's transitioning from boyhood to manhood. And uh, we went to the Grand Canyon on a little bit of a rite of passage with another friend and his son. And we went down to the Grand Canyon. I had this little teachable moment with them. I, I told them that life is hard. That's one thing that you need to know as you transition from boyhood to manhood, that life is really hard. And we got to the bottom of the Grand Canyon, and we jumped in the Colorado River, and we got out stones. And I had this little lesson that says, guys, life is hard. Write something on your life that's really hard, and then we're going to throw that in the Colorado River, and then we're going to look at to God to be our foundation, our rock, when things get hard. Because boys, when things get hard... They kind of whine and complain and blame others. But men, they turn to God, who's their rock. And he gives them the strength to overcome the challenges that they face. So we're down there, and we grab a rock, and I grabbed a rock out of the Colorado River, which which looked much like this. And I grabbed a Sharpie pen. And on my pen, one of the things that I wrote down, because we all did this thing together, my son wrote down his thing, and I wrote down parenting. And my son looked at like me. You know, you're having a hard time with me? I was like, yes. Parenting is extremely hard. It's extremely hard. It can be the most heartwarming and heart-wrenching relationship in our lives. And what we need is wisdom. What we need is the wisdom of God to instruct us, to empower us to live a life of musar to understand that our children are fools and that they need us in positions of authority, personal and positional authority, to come alongside their lives in a way that's careful, to instruct them, to teach them, to rebuke them, and, and to come alongside them in such a way that leads them down the path of wisdom. We can't choose for them, but we can model for them a life of wisdom. And if you were down there and maybe... You would pick up that rock and there's something hard in your life. Maybe you wouldn't write down parenting. Maybe there's something else that you would write down that's hard in your life. Or maybe God's speaking to you this morning and you're a child and you're looking at your relationship with your parents or you're an adult child and you're looking at your relationship with your parents and it's just hard. And maybe God's word to you this morning is stop living like a fool. Go to your parents and say, you know what, for so long I've lived like a fool and I'm sorry, I just want to admit that. God's brought you into my life to teach you wisdom, and I really want to listen better. Or maybe you're here this morning, and, and, and you think about your parenting, and you say to yourself, you know, maybe I didn't really take responsibility. Maybe I'm not really taking responsibility to teach my children wisdom. I mean, I feed them, I clothe them, I get home equipment, you know, I get these things for them, but I'm not really teaching them, taking responsibility to teach them the way it was. I'm not really modeling it. Or maybe you're here today and, and, and you're, your children are much older and you've modeled it and you've taught it and they still 
drifted away from God. And maybe God's word to you this morning is let him go. You've done your part. It's their choice. One of the beautiful things that I read in the, in the Old Testament is, is Old Testament believers would take rocks. And at particular points in their journey, they would gather rocks and it would make an altar, a place of worship. They'd take something hard, organize it in such a way to lead them into worship. And I think that's what parenting is like. It's something hard. And we can organize it in such a way to lead us into worship. See, that's the beauty of parenting because it's so hard and so difficult. The relationship can be so heartwarming and heart-wrenching that we need God. We need God's Spirit to fill us and free us, to love and respect our parents and to come alongside our children. So as the band comes up this morning, I just want to pray over us. As we acknowledge God's presence, as we take this hard relationship in our life and we organize it in such a way to come before God and say, I need you in my life, God, to be a better child. I need you in my life, God, to take responsibility as a parent and to live a life of wisdom. Would you come and fill me to be the type of parent that I want to be in my relationship? with my children. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the wisdom of Solomon, the wisdom of God, and the truths that apply so specifically in our lives today. And Lord, I know there are many here today and their relationships with their parents or with their children is broken. And I ask that you would bring healing, that you would bring hope and healing. And for all those relationships that are relatively strong, I pray that they would become stronger as a result of following your truths and your word. So God, we thank you for the hard things in our lives that can lead us to worship. That if we organize them correctly, we can pour out our hearts to you. Say, God, come. Fill me. Free me. In this part of my life, this day, Jesus' name.